Good morning, beloved ENC community. We are so glad that you're joining us, both those of you here on campus, those who are remote students, those who are spread all across the country, alumni and other parts of our larger ENC community. You may notice that things are a little bit different on the live stream this morning. That's because we're having quite the storm here in Quincy and the power at the Wollaston Church of the Nazarene has been knocked out and we don't know yet when it's gonna be restored. So we've had to uh, make some adjustments, but of course that's the theme of this whole semester and this whole year of 2020, right? So we're just rolling with the punches. We are very excited to bring to you this morning our chapel from Eastern Nazarene College's Black Student Union. And so with that, I'm gonna turn it over to Carla and Dr. Vicki Scow. As you had previously mentioned, my name is Carla. I'm the vice president of the BSU, but I'm also a student here on campus. Um, and I'll just start with the introduction. ENC's BSU is a multiracial group of students seeking to create a more inclusive experience for the student body through the dismantling of structural inequalities on campus and beyond. Our goal is to meaningfully create and promote student activism for social justice issues. Throughout the three years of our existence, we have effectively changed policies, encouraged and created a space for cross-communication between faculty, staff, and students. We have hosted multiple events that highlighted the Multicultural Affairs Office, Alana, and Gospel Choir. We have also been a resource for political education, such as trainings on how to be an ally versus an accomplice, and encouraging Christians to get active in the fight to equality. Um, one of the things we are most proud of that we have done is successfully start a tradition that we hope will outlive all of us which is our annual Black History Month showcase on campus for students, faculty, staff, alumni, and our community. Although COVID-19 sent all of us home in March, widely covered incidents of police brutality, structural racism, and white supremacy saw that through the, seen through the murders of George Floyd, Maude Arbery, and Breonna Taylor meant we couldn't sit on the sidelines through the summer. In June, the ENC BSU partnered with Bethel Church of the Nazarene and Unified Gospel Ministries Incorporated to hold a prayer vigil on Wollaston Beach that was attended by hundreds of folks from ENC and the broader Quincy community. Through that initial prayer vigil, we launched a Quincy-focused anti-racist organization called Quincy for Justice that is a collaboration of the leadership of those three entities that hosted that initial vigil. Through education, advocacy, and activism, Quincy for Justice is working to end systemic racism in Quincy, in Massachusetts, and in the US through dismantling structures and systems of oppression and immobilizing people for change. This summer, we have used many tools in the activist toolbox to engage in this work, including hosting rallies, marches, and chalk art events at Quincy City Hall as we push for the mayor to declare racism a public health crisis create a community review board, and establish a dashboard for transparent and publicly accessible data on many community safety metrics. We have also been working with Quincy for Transformative Change to form task forces focused on local issues like policing accountability, education, housing, and healthcare justice. We have been pivotal, pivotal in spearheading normative methods of activism like letter writing to elected officials and to the local media. In late June, we hosted a panel discussion on the Christian response to social justice issues. For the past month, we have also been supporting the family of Chris Divens, who was run over by a police officer in Randolph after not being allowed to retrieve his belongings or shoes from his car following an accident. This incident is being investigated by the Quincy police, so in addition to supporting Chris's family in Randolph, 
We have hosted standouts and marches to the QPD asking for a transparent investigation. And just this past Sunday, we hosted a prayer vigil and rally for Breonna Taylor on Wollaston Beach. We are also partnering and creating educational opportunities. For instance, tonight we will be doing a lecture on recognizing and confronting structural and institutional racism in partnership with the Multicultural Affairs Office. And next month we will be hosting a community discussion on the book, When They Call You a Terrorist, a Black Lives Matter memoir, in partnership with the Thomas Crane Public Library and the organization March Forward Quincy. This summer has demonstrated that racial justice activism is not a part-time endeavor. If we want to see real change, we need to be the change. Mm -hmm. For white folks, it e is very easy for us to step back when we get tired, but we cannot do that. We need to support our black and brown sisters and brothers in this fight for equity. Dismantling white supremacy also needs to be the work of white folks. We invite you to partner with our multiracial group, the Black Student Union, as we work to bring equity to this campus and beyond. Hi guys. So now I'm gonna read a scripture from Micah chapter six, verse eight. He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. The word of the Lord is already blessed. In a time where there is so much injustice happening in the world, from climate change to police brutality, there is a call for action for all people, no matter religion, gender, age, or ethnicity. Next, we will hear from some talented, innovative local activists in Quincy. And I can't wait to hear from them as they talk about faithful activism. Our first panelist is, is TJ Vondercheck. He is a youth pastor at Bethel Church of the Nazarene. Wait, TJ. <laughs> Our second panelist is Sadira Ross. She's a grad student at UMass Boston and also an intern at Lighthouse Fellowship. Our third panelist is Kat, is Kat Hampson. She is a, on the pastoral staff at High Rock in Quincy. And our fourth panelist is Jay Samuels. She is a family law attorney. And the person who will be moderating today is no, oh, none other than our very own Priscilla Brinson Thompson, who is the Eastern Nazarene's Black Student Union president. I'll give you in the hands of Priscilla. I'll leave you in the hands of Priscilla. Good morning. Good morning, everybody. Welcome. Welcome to BSU Chapel Takeover. All right. Um, so panelists, thank you for bearing with us in this strange setup here. Um, I guess we'll just dive right in. Um, I will say that I do want um, there to be a takeaway. There is a takeaway from all of this. Um, I was hoping that students could see uh, an interfaith dialogue that is addressing real social justice issues, um, and as well as being able to take home some tools, be it to their home place of worship, to their family, to the streets, wherever they may take those tools. Um, so let's get going, let's get into it. Um, I guess we can start with an easy one. Um, if everyone could just want to say your name again if you want. Um, and just a social 
justice issue that you're most passionate about um, and how you do activism? Mm. TJ, do you want to start? Oh, sure. Um, I guess for me, uh, one of my big things that I'm actively dealing with right now is just uh, queer awareness in the church, um, specifically in my denomination, the Church of the Nazarene. Um, I do that through a lot of things. I'm the youth pastor at a church that openly supports me and my teens, and I'm very, very thankful for that. But I do it through, uh, I don't know, giving money and time to specific organizations, uh, things like the Trevor Project and other groups just to help. Um, activism can be something super small. Um, we're all on like a learning journey, so start wherever you can. Very nice. Sadir? Um, yeah, there's a couple of things that I'm really passionate about. Uh, one of them is environmental justice. Um, I'm not originally from Boston, I'm actually from down south. I don't know if you can tell my accent because I have a mask on. Um, but um, there is a serious issue because people don't necessarily consider how detrimental it is to the black community um, environment that's around them. A lot of them live where there are landfills, where there are all these broken down old um, factories that are no longer in use, but it's contaminating their water, their air, the way they live. They have higher cases of cancer and um, just having asthma. So I'm really passionate about understanding um, how we can fix that, because that's not okay. Because I know a lot of people focus on climate change, which I'm very passionate about as well, because I study green chemistry and actually study the, these things that we see happen in the atmosphere. Um, but climate change is something that, you know, people are like, oh, it's gonna happen in the next 50 years. Um, environmental injustice is happening right now. Mm -hmm. There's people being affected right now in their mm -hmm. communities. There's people who are literally getting sick and dying. Yes. Um, so I'm really passionate about that, and I want to make sure that we are looking at communities that also are affected by that. And the second thing that I'm also passionate about um, is police brutality. I'm currently working with Q4J um, to really just dismantle that. Um, I think a lot of people don't think it exists here in Massachusetts. I've talked to people and they're like, oh, you know, that doesn't happen here. You know, we're, we're more of a liberal state. We're not, no, it happens here. I've, I've lived in the South and I've lived up here and it happens the same way. It's a little different, right? You have it being a little bit more covert. Um, however, there's still people who have racist ideologies and they want that to be perpetuated every day that they live their life. And I think that we want to stand up and say that not in our city, not in our town. Yes. You're not going to stand for that because at the end of the day, it's important that everybody feels like they can go outside and live their life without feeling like their life is at risk. So, thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Amen. Um, All right, again, I'm Jay Samuels, and I'm a local family law attorney. And I think one of the issues I'm passionate about, which may be cheating a little on this question, is intersectional feminism, which ultimately kind of encompasses everything. Um, within that sort of umbrella, one of the things I'm very passionate about specifically um, is gender roles and how we devalue that which is traditionally feminine and label it frivolous and unimportant or when people who do not identify as women engage with it, it's worthy of, you know, ostracizing them for it. So that's an issue I'm very passionate for. Um, I'm also very passionate about domestic violence issues, both for male-identified and female-identified people, as well as non-binary folks. Um, I think a lot of issues, a lot of times when we do activism and advocacy, we focus on these big picture issues. And the long and the short of it is, as individual people, the changes we can generally actually make 
are small and personal and in other people's day-to-day -day lives. And I think that often gets lost in this conversation. And that's a lot of what my practice focuses on is helping families transition to healthier, safer ways of being. And I do that not just as my job, but as doing activism every day. Nice, thank you, thank you. And Kat. Yeah. Yo, my co-panelists are amazing. <laughs> they are. Um, uh, my name is Kat Hampson. Uh, as, as I was introduced, I, I'm a pastor at a local church in Quincy. Um, and a social justice, well, before I begin, uh, I want to acknowledge the Massachusetts and Pocopoag peoples um, uh, who this land belongs to. Um, a social justice issue that I'm most passionate about is uh, the pursuit of racial justice and anti-racism within, um, within American Christianity, in particular um, evangelicalism and white evangelicalism, where um, a lot of my context revolves around, for better or for worse. Um, and so I think that there is a huge problem with uh, American Christianity's buy-in um, to white supremacy, uh, whether that is Intended or not intended, we could debate about that forever. Um, but there, a, a lot of the foundation of that lies um, with white supremacy. And so, what does it mean to decolonize? That's a word that pops up a lot. What does it mean to dismantle? What does it mean to actually say that we follow Jesus Christ um, without kind of succumbing to the pressures and the systems? of um, what the faith calls you know, the empire. So secondarily, um, the social justice issues that I'm uh, probably closely tied to through that work would be um, racial injustice in uh, police brutality uh, and racial justice within immigration. Immigration um, is something that I'm kind of personally connected to um, as, as part of my personal story, but um, certainly there are ways that it, in activism that I try, that I know I'm not a leader, but I try to show up where I can. Mm -hmm. I try to speak up where I can. Um, and that's a lifelong journey. Nice. Thank you. Thank you all for sharing. I, I'm loving all those answers. Um, perfect, perfect panel, it looks, it sounds like. <laughs> oh, if there could be a such thing, it's perfect, you know. Um, so, as a person of faith, um, why do you feel that there needs to be sort of like a faith-based approach to activism, um, or the fact that the, does there needs why does there need to be a Christian response, so to say, or um, like a faith-based response to all of the racial injustices um, that are plaguing this world right now? Personally, I think that you know racism is a sin. Um, so if we are talking as Christians and speaking about really loving everybody, uh, loving your neighbor, that's one of the things God commands us to do. Um, if we can't do that, how can we call ourselves Christians? How can we call ourselves believers in God? How can we say we have faith, right? If we can't even love who we see around us. So I think that a lot of people get caught in you know politics. They get caught up in the race ideologies that allow for them to tear down what Christ is trying to build up in us, or what God's trying to build up in there, and that's community, and that's love. 
And I feel that it's important as Christians that we stand up for this. You know what I mean? There's so many other issues that people stand up for, right? Mm -hmm. You know, they, 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 they talk about, you know, you can't do these things, or you can't do those things. Well, you can't hate or want to kill a person because of their skin color, right? Because right? right. they're also made in the image of God. Mm -hmm. That's just a, a total disrespect of who God has created us all to be. And that's to be people who live out his purpose. And so I just think that it's important that in the Christian faith that we are at the forefront of this, not sitting back at home saying, oh, well, God doesn't really care. No, we have to be out in the forefront saying, mm -hmm. this is what God, if, if Jesus was here, this is what he would be fighting right. for. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's a really good so I'm going to hop in as uh, the token Jewish member of this panel. <laughs> I'm actually a member of the Reformed Jewish sect, and I think part of this conversation, and I think Kat touched on it, um, white supremacy is linked with Christianity in America, mm -hmm. but Christian supremacy is, is linked to white supremacy, and a lot of the things we talk about within talking about white supremacy, like whiteness as the default, um, the erasure of other experiences, also applies to um, the concept of Christian supremacy. Um, but the other thing I wanted to bring up is in Judaism we have a concept called tikkun olam. Mm -hmm. And the concept of tikkun olam is that as human beings we have individual responsibilities to leave the world in a better state yep. than we found it. Mm -hmm. Each of us has a responsibility to create essentially the world to come. Mm -hmm. And to create paradise here in our day-to-day -day lives. Um, and that has always very deeply influenced who I was as a person. Um, I think another really important thing that influenced me in terms of what Judaism taught me is in Judaism, um, there is a great focus on you do the right thing because it's the right thing. You don't do it for credit. You don't do it for attention. When you can do it anonymously, you do it anonymously. Um, and as a white person in a space talking about racial justice, I think that's another very important point to bring up is um, racism is not a problem for black people. Racism is a problem for white people. It's our problem. It's something we are doing. It is something we are benefiting from. Um, and taking responsibility for that, but also existing in spaces where the way you behave is respectful of the fact that black lives don't just matter, they're valued. Um, that your whiteness doesn't mean you know better than anyone else, and that the privilege of the whiteness that make you feel like you know better than someone else is probably the exact reason you should be quiet and listen more than you talk and play a supporting <laughs> role rather than trying to get out front and get credit. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Does anyone else have a response to that one? Um, I could just say pretty much everybody already got at the point, but for me, I think as a white Christian man, who also is an American, I think you have to look in yourself and be like, I am at fault here. Uh, for, from the very beginning of the US, um, that specific demographic has been responsible for slavery, Jim Crow, voter suppression, redlining, police brutality, um, the school to prison pipeline, um, all of those things. and. I think we use all of this stuff in the name of it being God's will that all of these things happened. And in actuality, folks just are being terrible. So I think we have to take the harm from the past and do our job today to take care of the world. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes, I agree with that. 
that was deep. That that was wow. Um, that makes me think of um, the living issues class that we have here um, at ENC. It is a text that kind of connects that that reconciliation with the past sins of America and being able to be who do we hold accountable and finding someone to hold accountable and as you know faith-based people being accountable for that and as a step of moving forward um, in profession. Mm -hmm. um, so one of my passions. Um, Can I jump in? Sorry, oh, no, I, I think um, I I've written something uh, actually that jumped out from what Jay said, um, and I'll, and I think what you all said of her are amazing. Um, just to add. The, I don't think that this can be like a both sides issue when we ask about what is the Christian response, what is the faith-based response. I'm only going to speak from the Christian perspective here, but um, when, at least in the scriptures, when God says, I am making all things new, that's an invitation to take a side. You can't mm -hmm. say, you know, you, ha you either have to resist one yep. or resist the other. So which yes. are you going to resist? Mm -hmm. Very good point. I, yes. Thank you for that. Um, so one question I have um, is around incarceration um, and prison reform. So on the topic of incarceration, um, what do you guys feel about restorative justice? Uh, is that something that you would think would be a suitable model um, for you know these black and brown bodies that we have wrongfully incarcerated? Um, extended incarcerations for more time than need be. Is that a suitable model? model? Um, and also, what about when it comes to police officers who use excessive force? Is restorative justice also then a good model for them? Um, I would say that restorative model for prisoners is a great model. Um, personally, I know that because my dad is in prison, um, he went to prison for something he didn't do, actually, uh, as most black men do, but yeah. that's neither here nor there. Um, and my dad's a great man, you know what I mean? Um, and I think a lot of times, once you get that, that tag or label on you, mm -hmm. you have that, you hold that around. Mm -hmm. But because my dad was a faithful man and he had believed in God, mm -hmm. he walks around, most people don't even know he went to jail right. or he went to prison, and I think that a lot of people that he met there, he said, these are great people here. There's nobody here who's like, just, I mean, of course, there's you know some people who are a little bit more than others, but mm -hmm. they're great, beautiful people here, mm -hmm. and they have to have the opportunity to still live their lives. They have to have the opportunity to um, be more than what the system has said that they are, especially right. considering how corrupt our own justice system is and how many of them have been wrongfully accused and put in these situations by things that they didn't even do. Mm -hmm. um, so I think it's very important that we have a system that really wants to restore our people rather than demonize them. Um, and I mean, again, with police, right, um, I do think that the issue there is that they are supposed to be held to a higher standard, right? So an everyday citizen, yes, if they commit a crime, they, they get the punishment. The issue we're having now is that these police officers are committing crime and getting no punishment, mm -hmm. right? So um, first they need to be actually accused to actually be restored. <laughs> so I think that we have to get yes. to that point where we're really seeing true justice on both sides and people are actually able to say that, hey, if I do something, I know that my system is not going to put me in prison wrongfully, or it's going to do something to one person but not to the other, just because I prefer that group over another. So. Um, 
I think one of the issues before we even talk about the justice model and what punishment or lack thereof looks like, one of the things we have to discuss is civil laws are not objectively existing. They are things we choose to create. We decide who are criminals and who are not criminals. Um, and so just as a general personal stance, I'm generally a prison abolitionist. Um, I generally do not think putting human beings in cages does anything for anyone. I'm generally not a fan of retributive justice in general. But I do think between restorative and retributive justice, there's also utilitarian concerns. And so I think when we're talking about an issue like police brutality, where a person who's been given absolute authority becomes corrupted by it and abuses that authority to harm other people, we have to ask the question, is there a utilitarian reason to segregate them from general society? Versus, you know, can they be rehabilitated? Is that possible? I hope it's true, but I do think there may need to be a period of time, especially when you look at the percentage of police officers who are also perpetrators of domestic violence, and this violence and this need for control perpetrates through their life. Um, you know, I, I think there's a question of can we get to retributive justice before we go through the utilitarian step of making sure folks are safe. I think something that I admire about the restorative justice model um, is that it, it broadens the circle of who is affected. And it lifts up the, um, the, it lifts up the victim. There are better terms for that, but I'm just gonna say it lifts up the victim and says, how do we make amends to you? How do we make amends to the community at large? And the community at large and the victim are, take the, um, take the first step in putting forward what needs to happen. It asks for accountability, it asks for amends, um, and it starts in, in, at least from my understanding, it starts on that plane, which I, I think is, is a good place to start. Um, I think one of the proponents of, of restorative justice did admit that when it comes to mass incarceration, you know, the devil's in the details, like how do you how do you implement this model? I, I, I can't say I can speak to that, and I think that there are, um, there are a lot of concerns in, in just how do we take such a corrupt and broken system mm -hmm. and then try to work, work at it from you know, kind of the bottom up. I, I, I don't know and I don't have the answers, mm -hmm. but I, can, I think I can at least speak to what I admire about the restorative justice model. Mm -hmm. nice. um, well, Cutting in on time, so I'm going to jump to um, some questions about uh, getting these young folks out here and getting active and some good activism here. Um, so what are ways that young folks can get active in their community? I'm going to start with you today because I know you're a youth. Um, uh, you do youth ministry and such. Sweet. So what are some ways that a young person can get active in their community or bring it into their church? And um. I'm gonna start there with the church. Um, if you're a part of a faith community, maybe go to a church that's focused on faith, focused on the gospel. Um, start there. Um, I think there are a lot of churches that are blindly supporting folks that are doing hate and evil. Why are you there? Um, put a Black Lives Matter sign in your yard. Yes. You can buy them, make one, I'll give you one. Um, <laughs> go to a church that has it nailed up. Um, 
if you have a job, if you don't have time to give, donate places. Um, some of the places I've been donating, I see as a, it as a part of my tithe. Um, the National Bailout Fund provides money to a lot of people, but black mothers who are trying to bail out their children because they've been wrongfully incarcerated. Um, Fair Fight, it's Stacey Abrams' organization. It fights um, voter suppression, which is a huge thing. There's a, an election coming up. Vote, that's another one. Um, just become aware of what's happening. Don't watch Fox News. Don't watch just CNN. Um, some of the current organizations I follow are the Black Visions Collective, um, the Movement for Black Lives and the Color of Change. That's what I do. But that's what you can too. I'm gonna go to you next, Sadir. Um, well, I think Tiffany would be mad at me if I didn't say this. So, of course, come join Quincy for Justice. Yes, uh, yes, yes. Um, I think that it's important that young people are engaged um, and understand that stuff is happening in our communities too. You know, mm -hmm. I think there's this ideology that you know, oh, you know, Quincy's, you know, great, it's perfect. You know, no place is perfect, right? Mm -hmm. But how can we make it better? How can we make sure justice is here, and not just here, but in every community that's around us? Yes. And um, hopefully what we do here can be a, a catalyst to things that we want to see in America. Mm -hmm. So I would definitely say join Quincy for Justice. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I love that list. Awesome. I'm going to get that list from you, TJ. Um, but I, I think when... The first thing I think of is, is a quote from um, Ijeoma Oluo, pardon me if I'm not pronouncing that right, but she writes, the beauty of anti-racism is that you don't have to pretend to be free of racism to be an anti-racist. Mm -hmm. Anti-racism is the commitment to fight racism wherever you find it, including in yourself. Mm -hmm. um, so you ask what are some ways that young people can get active in their community? I think just starting, starting in yourself, do black lives matter to me, why, why not? Do black lives matter at my school? Do they matter at my workplace, at my church, in my neighborhood, in my city, in my state, in my country? You know, and, mm -hmm. and, and the, the, the circle grows. Yeah. But I think there are a ton of ways, as you mentioned, you know, a ton of ways to get involved, a um, ton of uh, things to support. And I think starting somewhere, and starting with yourself and saying, huh, does it matter to me? And let me, let me put my life out there mm -hmm. to go forward. Okay. So I think I'm going to go a little smaller than everyone else. Um, I think it comes with being conscientious in the choices you make in your everyday life. Yes. What businesses are you giving your money to? Who do you follow on social media? Those two, I think, are, are huge for a lot of people. I think there's a major problem um, where we create echo chambers for ourselves, and I hear that accusation lobbed very often at people who are on the left end of the, the political spectrum. But what I find time and time again is anyone I know who's interested in learning, anyone I know who takes the time to diversify the news organizations they follow, diversify the influencers they follow, diversify the journalists they follow and the authors they read, automatically becomes more open to other ideas because it just becomes a real yes. part of their day-to-day -day reality. And, you know, I'm an elder millennial. I'm in my late 30s. I spend a ton of my time on my phone and on social media. I know my younger brothers who are Gen Z spend a ton of time on their phone. And if you're going to spend that much time someplace, I think the really the place to start with how do I get more active is change who you listen to. 
because the people you listen to are going to introduce you to other opportunities and other ideas and if you don't know exactly what you're passionate about mm -hmm. yet how you find it is listening to more people um one like two word answer maybe two three word answer folks who are scared about getting active for fear of arrest or harm or what would you say to them as encouragement? Doesn't have to be two words, but something, you know, that's fine. I would say if they're Christian identifying, read Martin Luther King Jr.'s letter from a Birmingham jail. Yes. Yeah. I would say if you identify as a Christian, you're called to be. Mm. Yeah. I'll also say that, like, don't fear. God is with you, like, don't fear. You know what you're doing is something that needs to be done. I think I would say part of doing this work is acknowledging informed consent, mm -hmm. which is people need to assess what risks they're willing to take yep. and take only those risks. Yep. I like but that. to differentiate between what is a risk to your safety and what is is a risk of inconvenience? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes, I like that. I and and that's what's ultimately important. There are people who cannot afford to be arrested because they will lose their job mm -hmm. and they will not be able to support themselves. And there are people who can afford to be arrested mm -hmm. and call a friend and get bailed out and hire a lawyer and they'll be fine. Yes. <laughs> and those are very different consequences for the yeah. same exact. Action and so just assess your own risk and do a gut check with yourself. Am I assessing this as an unacceptable risk because it's inconvenient or because I'm actually being put at risk of harm? I like that. I think that um, is a perfect place to end this panel discussion. Um, yeah, that wow, yeah. Take into account, take into account is it because I don't want to do it because I'm going to miss the Celtics game or, or because my. Friends, my black counterparts, my peers need my help. They need me. So I would say to all to pray, reflect on that. Um, and thank you, panelists, for joining us. Woo! Um, and now Pastor Matt Thomas is going to come up and close us out in prayer. Thanks, friends. I'd like to offer a Franciscan blessing and benediction for us today. May God bless you with discomfort. Discomfort at easy answers, half-truths, and superficial relationships. Discomfort so that you will live deep within your heart. May God bless you with anger. Anger at injustice, oppression, and exploitation of people. Anger so that you will work for justice, freedom, and peace. May God bless you with tears. Tears shed for those who suffer pain, rejection, starvation, and war. Tears so that you will reach out to comfort them and turn their pain into joy. And may God bless you with foolishness. Foolishness to believe that you can make a difference in this world. Foolishness so that you will do what others claim cannot be done. Amen. Amen. And Matt Thomas and I will be both in benediction. Or, I'm sorry, the doxology. Wow.
and a doxologist. Give us our praise God from whom.